A reading this morning is taken from 1 Samuel, and I'm reading chapter 3. The Lord calls Samuel. I'm reading from the NIV version, which is different to the Pew Bibles. I said earlier that uh, there was just one book of Samuel rather than two. And the reason why it was divided was because the scroll was too long. The scroll that it was originally written on was too heavy. So hence, that's why they separated it into two books. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord with the ark of God's words. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls, you say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time I would carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family, from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning, then he opened up the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Thanks be to God for his word this morning. 
I invite Rod to come up and share what God has laid on his heart. Shall we just bow our heads and pray before we come before the Lord's word? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have written down for us all of these uh, tales of people's lives, Lord, that help us. And may we listen today, Father. May your word just come through me as an empty vessel, Lord, that uh, we would hear what you want us to hear about Samuel's life. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. So our sermon series um, on heroes of faith has been focusing on the attributes of each of these heroes that we've looked at. It's helping us to understand what our faith is all about and what we as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, how we should be living our lives. Living our lives not in fear, but in joy that we are part of the family of God and that we follow our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We need to encourage one another, and that is the point of telling you these stories about heroes of faith. Paul encourages believers to do this in his letter to the Thessalonians. He says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Samuel was chosen by God to be a kingmaker. He anointed Saul, he anointed David as kings over Israel. And he was the last and perhaps the greatest of all the judges of Israel. In the study Bible, it talks about 1 and 2 Samuel as books with key themes of God's kingship, his providential guidance, his sovereign will and power. However, this morning, I want to focus on the person of Samuel and in one particular attribute that he showed throughout his long life. Now, you might want to cover your ears because the word I'm going to use, some Christians find quite rude. It's the word obedience. Obedience to Christ. I know we have a number of people who are in the army, who have been in the army, in the armed forces, so they understand about the word obedience. They know what that is all about. But the challenge for us today, brothers and sisters, is do we want to be obedient to all of his precepts and commandments? This isn't popular in modern culture. This is the age of me. I'm the most important thing there is. I can do what I want. I can think what I want. If I want something, I go and get it. And I want it now. I don't want to have to wait for it. I want to get it now. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to throw a teddy tantrum. I have a saying in my house that if you're in a strop, you chuck teddy across the room. But if it doesn't happen and somebody says something against me, suddenly that becomes a hate crime. I'm a bigot. I'm a fundamentalist. Or even worse, a religious nutter. Does that sound familiar to you in people that you know, and maybe even in your own life? 
Why should I be obedient to God and his word? Surely I know what is best for me. After all, I'm a very nice person, generally. I go to church pretty regularly. I've even been known to occasionally turn up to some church events. What more does he expect of me? What else does he want me to give him? God's will and the advance of his kingdom happens through us, happens through you. His people advance his kingdom. He calls us to do specific things for him. They may be great, they may be small. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says to us, Paul, a servant of Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David, according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we receive grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. For you belong to Jesus Christ. If the prophet Samuel had not been obedient to God from the beginning, there wouldn't have been a King David. There wouldn't have been a Saul. David would never have sat on the throne. And all the ramifications that that means, might, we might not be sitting in ABC this morning if Saul had not been obedient. Samuel's life was completely and utterly committed to God from birth. Samuel means devoted to God. Samuel's mother, Hannah, as we heard, was barren. And she cried out to Eli that she wanted to have a child because she was being tormented by her husband's other wife, Penaniah, who used to go and torment her because she couldn't bring a child to her husband. But her husband, Elkanah, loved her. And he would bring her a double portion from the sacrifice to show that he loved his wife. She visited the chief priest and she made a promise to God. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but I will give you to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall touch his head. In due time, Samuel, of course, was born. And once he was weaned, Hannah took him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, where she lent him to the Lord for as long as he lived. There Samuel remained ministering to the Lord in the presence of the high priest Eli. And he learned many things as he worshipped. I have met many people over the years who have been churchgoers since they can remember. They went with their mum and dad, they went to Bible school, they went to Sunday school, but yet... They do not know the Lord. There is a story, which I don't know if it's true or not from where we were, that there was a vicar preaching to his congregation in a church in Hove. Halfway through his sermon, he stopped and started to cry. And a voice from the congregation said, Hallelujah, he's just met Jesus. 
They claim Christianity, but they do not know the presence of God. They haven't accepted him into their hearts because they have not met him. Samuel knew how to worship and how to minister to the Lord, but the Bible says he did not yet know him. He did not know who the God truly was. He lived in a time when there were not many visitations from God, many words coming through. But what he did learn through doing that, however, was to be obedient. He was being obedient to the rites that were done in the temple, but he wasn't learning to be obedient to God. However, obedience became second nature to him. And I know our friends from the army and the Air Force and the Navy know what obedience is, to just answer and do as you're told. The New Testament itself teaches us about obedience. It's not just a thing that happens in the Old Testament to the people we read about. This comes all the way through the New Testament. 1 Peter 1.14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. In Romans 6.16, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Peter again says to us, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So I think you're beginning to get the message. We need to be obedient. And we obey because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. John, in chapter 14, says to us, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and all your soul and all your might? These are just a few verses that remind us, as disciples, we are called to be obedient. We are to be disciplined. We are to be sober-minded. We are to be vigilant in what we do and how we speak and how we think. Early this morning in Diane's time of devotion, we were reading some uh, words from Bishop J.C. Ryle, who was Bishop of Liverpool in the early 1800s, a very strong evangelical Christian, who said, we need to remember that God, and in particular Jesus Christ, knows every thought we have, knows everything that we say, and everything that we do. That's quite a scary thought. As Di reminded me this morning when I'm driving my car, I should remember that Jesus might be sitting in the seat next to me when I'm driving. But he hears and sees everything that we do, every thought that we have. Without the obedience to Christ, we cannot be fruitful. Samuel was very fruitful in his life because he was utterly obedient. We heard in the reading from Barry, the call that Samuel heard. And he didn't know who was calling him because he didn't truly know the Lord. It took Eli to tell him. So he listened to what Eli said to him. And in doing so, he had a bit of a horrible choice to make. Now, bearing in mind, since he had been weaned, he had lived his life with Eli and his two sons. And God has just told him, the family you've been living with for the past few years you now have to go and tell them 
that I have turned against them because of their lack of obedience. How would you feel about having to do something like that? You've been with somebody for many, many years and then God tells you, I'm sorry, but they have not obeyed my word and I come against them and I'm going to kill his two sons. That is difficult. However, Samuel did. And Eli still walked enough with the Lord to realize the words Lord is final. He probably didn't like hearing it. And sometimes when God calls us, we don't like what we hear. But we are called to be obedient nevertheless. One of the things that this did for Samuel was to show Eli, Eli that the Lord was with him and he was obedient. And he'd also told the people of Israel that this was a true prophet, that God was with him and they should listen to this man. That pattern of obedience was then established right throughout Samuel's life. It was God's messenger to the people for both good things and for God to announce where he was unhappy with them, where they kept turning away. He saved Israel from the Philistines by drawing the people back to God from Baal worship. And he spent many years judging Israel in the service of his God. And we just get a taster of that in the first book of Samuel. And we tend to think, well, Samuel did this, this, and this, and then he anointed Saul. But it actually says that when he was an old man, the people of Israel then demanded a king. God relented and had Samuel anoint Saul, as we've heard, as the king of Israel. Samuel had already warned them that having a king wasn't the right thing to do. God was their king. But nevertheless, he went forward and he continued. But Samuel was angry with the people and he was grieved. And we find from his stories that even though he was obedient, sometimes he found what he had to do uncomfortable, scary, unpleasant. He mentions that when he had to go and tell Saul, the king of Israel, who'd won many battles, that because he hadn't obeyed the Lord, he and his family were going to die at the edge of the sword. And he was scared that Saul might kill him. I think we might be if we were told to go to the leader. I can't imagine some of you guys in the army, if you were heard a call from God to go and tell your commanding officer off, you might find that a bit tough to go to the ACO and say, well, you're actually wrong. God's told me this. Samuel's life was one of unswerving obedience to God. He had known nothing in his life but service to God. Yet some of those commandments left him scared and in fear of his life. We are apt to overlook Samuel's life when we read these books because we're focusing on David and on Saul and they're kind of the exciting stories. But Saul teaches us so much. We've all been called into the service of God. No one sitting in this room is here by accident. And God has a purpose in your life. You might think, oh, that's very nice of him. But why should I do it? I don't particularly want to do that. I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing. I'm quite happy with my life as it is. Well, I've got news for you. 
You don't actually own yourself. Paul, to his letter to the Corinthians, says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Peter says to us, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And even in Revelations, it says to us, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So you're not your own. You belong to God. You're a bondservant of the Most High God. God doesn't force you to be his servant. He doesn't dictate to you what you do. He gives you a choice. He gives you a choice all through your life. Do you love me? Do you love me enough to be obedient to everything I ask of you? He has redeemed your life. Jesus Christ hung on that cross in agony and he bore the sin, the weight of the sin of every single one of us in this room, of every single person on this planet, of all those who have ever lived. He bore God's wrath to set you free from that sin. He has a right to expect you to be obedient. He could demand it, but he doesn't. He still asks you to be obedient. And he shows you the virtues of being obedient in the way that your lives will go. What happened through the life of Samuel and pretty much every other hero of faith that we have heard of and listened to. If they hadn't have been obedient to the call, then so many things would not have happened. We are to proclaim and execute and bring into being the kingdom of God in this world. It lives within each of us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Many of the people when we were serving food last week at ABC in the field were saying to us, why is this free? Why are you giving us this food for nothing? Don't you want any money for it? Why do you do this? What a great opener to sort of say, well, that's what we are called to do by our God, by Christians. We are called, aren't we, to share and proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. We may not be a prophet like Samuel or a king like David, But what we do matters very, very much to God. Peter reminds us that we are priests of the Most High God. We are chosen people by God for his purposes. We are set apart for his purposes. You read 1 Samuel, it says Samuel was set apart for God's work. Moses was set apart. David was set apart. You are set apart for God's works. By being obedient to God, we demonstrate to him, not that we're mindless automatons, but that we love him, that we adore him, 
that he is central to everything that we are as Christians. So by being obedient to his commandments, we show that love to God. And he blesses us in return. He doesn't want to make us obedient. He's not going to like the commanding officer might say to the army, right, I want you to go over there and take that hill where all those guys are with a machine gun. He orders us to do things which bring us blessing, which enhance our daily lives, which lead others to come to know him as we do. Is your faith strong enough for you to be obedient even to the point of death? For a Christian in the West, that seems like a very strange thing to say, but for many of our brothers and sisters across this world, that is exactly what they are called to do and to be. And many of them, unfortunately, do give their life for their faith. But God has already blessed us because we live in the UK. Somebody might take the mickey out of you. Somebody might call you a, a homophobic, Islamophobic, whatever phobic. You might be called a bigot because you hold a particular view. That's not a surprise to God, nor should it be a surprise to us. We follow a different path. Should we be obedient to the world? Should the church conform to what society thinks? In the book of Acts, Peter and John were called before the council, the Sanhedrin. And at the end of their trial, it says, so they called them and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We are to be obedient to God in all circumstances. Yes, we are called to obey the laws of the land, but up to and including when they tell us to do something counter to the holy laws of God. As we close, I would suggest you meditate on the life of Samuel. As you read 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, you read those fantastic true life accounts of the life of Saul and Jonathan and David and how they grew and what happened. Look at Samuel's role in that. Look at the obedience that Samuel followed to the letter because he loved the Lord. Think of the disciples. When Jesus ascended, they were told to go out into the world and make disciples of the whole world and to teach them all that Jesus had taught them and commanded them. If they hadn't have done that, we wouldn't be sitting here, would we? Our faith would never have come. Yeah, sometimes it's scary when you go out and do a church event and you meet non-Christians. Non well, what do I say? I'm not a minister. I'm not an evangelist. I'm just an ordinary Christian. But God will give you the words to say. That's how the kingdom of God, that is how Christianity spread. That's how it still spreads. That's how it sets people free. Listen to his small voice. Be obedient to what you hear and read. But be obedient through love.